Have you been looking for a place where you can find food to satisfy your spiritual hunger? Well, search no further. Seventh-day Adventist Church Lovington is here for you. Welcome to our podcast where we learn more about Christ wherever we are, whenever we want. I'd like to greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to thank God once again for the opportunity to be together this evening as we are continuing with our pre-camp meeting. Thank you, Elder, for the wonderful welcoming. And let me respond to you by saying, Asante Sana, thank you so much uh, for that uh, welcoming. We are in the book of Nehemiah chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 9 of Nehemiah chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 9. And this is how it reads. It says, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it. Although at the time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and uh, Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together in the plains down by the villages in, the, in Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to attend to you? But they sent me this message four times and four times I answered them in the same manner. Then the son Balat sent his servants to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And this is what it said. It has been reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and for this reason, according to the rumors, you are rebuilding the wall so that you may be their king. And also, you have appointed prophets to proclaim uh, this concerning you in all Jerusalem, saying to everyone, there is now a king in Judah. These matters we have also reported to the king. So now, come, let us meet and talk on these issues together. Then I sent him this reply, saying, there has been no such a thing as you have said that we have either said nor done, but you have invented all this. It is your own doing. For they were trying to make us afraid, saying, surely if we threaten them this way, they will be afraid and their work will come to a stop and it will be done. Now I pray, therefore, O God, strengthen our hands. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for this privilege to be dealing with your word. It is precious, it is powerful and life-changing. But only if we open ourselves to your power, Holy Spirit, can we experience this. And so we pray that you open up our minds, our hearts, into receiving the fullest measure of the blessing of your word, its instruction and teaching in our lives. This we pray through Christ Jesus. Amen. 
the book of Nehemiah is together with the book of Ezra, a chronicle of the post-exilic prophets in which they record the journey of the Israelites back to uh, Judah. It records also at this time how they were going to rebuild their homeland, which had been destroyed, not only in the time when Nebuchadnezzar came and took them into slavery, but also in desolation and isolation of the years that followed. The whole territory of Judah was ravaged by the neighboring tribes and countries, and it had been torn into pieces. And so in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, we find quite a number of prominent leaders, prophets and priests working together to bring together the resources of the uh, Jewish nation in the rebuilding of their homeland. One such a leader that comes out prominently is Nehemiah, a cupbearer to the king Xerxes. Now, his duties as a cupbearer were of great significance, particularly at their time. It was a time unlike today. Poison was mainly the main way through which kings were killed, failing which they would then die in war. And if they were lucky, they would die of old age or of other forms of diseases. Kings were therefore extremely cautious of what they ate and what they drank, simply because this was the main means through which their lives could be taken away. A cupbearer, therefore, was a very significant person. The life of the king was in their hand, as they were not only there to wait upon the king in terms of food and to taste the food and to prepare the food, but they were also the king's greatest line of defense. They were the shield that stood between the king and any attempt to poison the king. Perhaps it is then of no small matter that Xerxes, the Persian ruler, chose a Jew as his cupbearer. One may begin to ask for such a great task, why did Xerxes not hire his fellow patients? Why did he leave a task so precarious in the hands of, might I be very clear, a slave, a Jew, an individual who lives under bondage and oppression? Because the Persians were continuing, the Persians had inherited the Jews from the Babylonians. And so when the Persians took over as the next world power, they did not become friends of the Jews. They continued with the subjugation that they had already found put in place by the Babylonians. It would make sense not to appoint someone who wants freedom from you to be your cupbearer. A Jew 
has every reason to poison the king because the king is a symbol of their oppression. And yet, Xerxes hired Nehemiah as his cupbearer. It speaks volumes to the character of Nehemiah, a man who was trusted by the very king that oppresses him with the very life of that king. It means that Nehemiah was an extremely dignified, honorable, trustworthy, truthful person, one who, even under slavery, would still serve faithfully in his duty, though the heavens may fall. This is not the first time we see this. In the book of Kings, we saw a young girl who was a slave in the house of Naman, the general of the armies of Syria, when the general Naman was ill with the leprosy and should have died, it was the same slave girl who said to him, in my homeland where you took me by force, there is a prophet who can heal you because of the God that my people worship. These are very rare occasions in the Bible. We see it in Joseph as well. Very rare occasions in the Bible where those who are in a position to be slaves will actually rise above their slavery and show characters of diligence, dedication, hard work, and diligence to those who are oppressing them. Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego would also do the same. In the New Testament, we hear Paul also doing the same, and many scholars have read him out of context. When Paul says slaves should be obedient to their masters, not that Paul was a promoter of slavery, but Paul was pulling from a legacy of Joseph, of Nehemiah, of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that even when you are under conditions of oppression, you can still exemplify godly characteristics while still fighting for your freedom. You can still be godly while you are also making it clear that you do not accept your subjugation. And this is what Nehemiah demonstrates. Xerxes, and this for me is important, Xerxes trusted Nehemiah more than he trusted his own people. He did not hire any Persian as the cup bearer, but we have Nehemiah here. We have Nehemiah. Even if there were other Persians, the fact that among them, he put people like Nehemiah, speaks volumes for the character of Nehemiah and its trustworthiness. Many among us have perhaps given up on such characters. We live 
in a world where trustworthiness, dignity, faithfully executing your duties has become a myth. It is no longer seen wherever we are turning. Our governments are full of corruption. Even those ministers in government who sit in our benches as members of the Adventist church, they are no different in conduct in terms of their governmental affair. Judges even who are members of the Adventist church are still found making politically controversial judgments which are in line with the insult of human rights and human dignity. We are strongly falling short of Nehemiah characters. We can find them nowhere. Go to seek help in government departments. There are no Nehemiahs anymore. We stand in queues for hours while government employees are busy gossiping and chatting, standing up every five minutes to go make their tea and coffee. There are no Nehemiahs anymore. Go to the private sector. No one will help you unless you offer them sex or you offer them a bribe, but there are no Nehemiahs anymore. People who are true to duty, no matter what is happening. People who will exercise the authority vested in them, whether the salary is good enough or not. It is so important that we pray for the spirit of Nehemiah to descend upon planet Earth once again. We are once again starved and short of people who are dignified in their service, whatever the service may be. It goes even to churches. With the regret, many of us pastors, we pay attention to the church members who are the most affluent, those who return the highest tithes and offerings, receive much of our home visitations. When they are sick, we are quick to call upon the church into special prayers. But when the poor, when the downtrodden, when those who are struggling and have no names are in difficulty, our pastors even are found rarely available to make themselves available for such people. That is the crisis of the lack of the Nehemiah spirit in the church and in the communities where we are living today. But we must pose a challenge. We must not give up and lie flat. We must not give in and say, this is the way in which now things are going to be and nothing can be done about it. No, dear friends, in our youth, we must compel, we must pray, we must teach, we must instruct, we must fast to God in pleading for the Nehemiah spirit to return. Africa is desperate for Nehemiahs in our parliaments, Nehemiahs in our judiciary, Nehemiahs in our offices, Nehemiahs in our churches, Nehemiahs everywhere. We are in desperate shortage of people who will rise up. And I do not believe in the name of Jesus, 
I forbid it in the name of Jesus of Nazareth that we should just lie flat and accept the status quo and say it is what it is. No, we cannot do that. We absolutely cannot do that. We must, in the name of Jesus, protest the degrading of human character in the spirit of service. We must protest. It can never be acceptable. The conditions under which we are subjected to in the world we live in. We cannot live in a world where we worship politicians in fear that they control armies that will kill us if we stand up for the right. We cannot live in a world where we will simply lie flat and say because a judge has spoken, even though it is clear that judge is clearly acting not in the basis of dignity and human equality, but on the basis of uh, uh, protecting their own privilege. We cannot keep quiet when we go to government offices seeking assistance and we are met with arrogance. We cannot keep quiet when we are asking for quality spiritual pastoral care from our pastors and we are met with indignation just because we are not returning a big check of tithe. No, we cannot do that. We are a people of God, made in the image of God. It is not only required of us to be a Nehemiah to others, it is required of others to be a Nehemiah to us as well. We do not only hold accountable those who must give us a service, we hold ourselves accountable in the service we must give to others because it is the spirit of the most excellent God that must be found in us. Do you remember when Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had prayed to God and he had given them interpretation for the dream of Nebuchadnezzar? What did Nebuchadnezzar say? When Nebuchadnezzar was talking about them, the four Hebrew gentlemen, he said, the excellent spirit of the gods is among them. The excellent spirit of God is still required today and we must not be in any way apologetic about it. Whether this message is heard in South Africa, Kenya or Zimbabwe or elsewhere. I am not apologetic. We must hold accountable Adventists who are in positions of power who are not behaving in the spirit of Nehemiah. No Adventist businessman, judge, minister, mayor, counselor, CEO, CFO, pastor or anyone must be allowed to get away with mediocrity while calling upon the name of the Lord. Must be allowed to get away with corruption while calling upon the name of the Lord. Must be allowed to get away with a, a prejudice, bias, racism, sexism, classism, while at the same time claiming to sit in the same pews with us. No, we must forbid it. We must forbid it. Those whom we have spiritual access to, who are exercising power in a non-Nehemiah manner, 
we must be able to say to them, you are not doing what is right before the eyes of the living God. Nehemiah was a man of dignity, trusted by a king that oppressed him because that king saw in him a character that could never be bought nor sold. Because that king saw in him a man who could become a defense for the king's life. And I have to ask myself, never mind our family and friends, never mind our church members, is there a Zexis out there that does not believe in your God, but then would trust you because they are in awe of what God is doing in your character. You see, to be trusted by those who know you is nothing. Being trusted by those who have every reason not to trust you, that is where trust is tested. Nehemiah served a king that was a symbol of his oppression, yet that king was able to trust him because Nehemiah was a man that could not be bought nor sold. And so the Bible tells us that one day this king noticed that Nehemiah was not well. When we read the book of Nehemiah chapter 2, the king looked at him and said, why is your face downcast? Why are you like this? And Nehemiah replies and says, oh, my Lord, the king live forever. The problem is that I have received a letter from those exiles of my home who have made their way back home. Those who were released first, they tell me the state of our temple, the temple of our God. They tell me the state of our great city, Jerusalem. And I am unable to be happy when I hear this. Now, as, as Zexis, if I found Nehemiah sad or depressed or stressed, personally as Nehemiah, as Zexis, I would have had him killed because it would have probably been a sign that someone has paid him to kill me. Why is he stressed? Why is he uh, uh, not himself? Clearly, my life is in danger. But you see, when you are a person of dignity, people don't immediately assume the worst of you. They actually give you the benefit of a doubt. Because Nehemiah was a man of dignity, the king did not assume something is going to go wrong with his life. That is how trustworthy Nehemiah is. The king asks him, are you okay? And when the king hears Nehemiah's problems, Nehemiah, the king then says, I free you. I free you to go back home. I free you to go and rebuild your city, Jerusalem, and in the temple of your God. Not only that, I am writing letters to other kings who are under our authority as the Persian Empire to give you assistance 
and all that you need in terms of reconstructing the city Jerusalem and the temple of your God. I want to assure you, ladies and gentlemen, being dignified and faithful and honorable will never fail us. It will never fail us. I can assure you that when you behave in a faithful and dignified manner, you will reap the reward. People will notice it and people will trust you and people will always give you a benefit of a doubt, even when there are problems. Unfortunately, some of us, if Manik went missing at work, we would not be given a benefit of a doubt. When we say we are sick, we are not given a benefit of a doubt that we might be telling the truth because we've spent years lying, giving fake uh, 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 doctors sick notes. We have spent years always having question answers. Whenever we are close to money, things never go right. As a result, even if we are telling the truth now, no one trusts us because we have exhausted our currency of dignity. If right now your wife goes through your phone and she finds a picture of a naked woman, do you have a trustworthy currency? Is there dignity that you can trade with? Can your wife look at it and say, whatever is the source, my husband did not initiate this? Or are you at a level that even if you did not do it, there is no one that trusts you anymore? You've exhausted all the ability and benefits of a doubt and second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth chances that you've been given. Being a Nehemiah, let me tell you, my dear friends, never take it for granted. It pays off because a time will come in your life when the devil will pin on you something you did not do. Then your years of faithfulness, your years of dignity, your years of being a Nehemiah will come back to defend you, to say, not him, not her. He could not have done this intentionally. She could not have done this intentionally. So invest in your Nehemiah, yes. A time will come when you will need a defense of character and your yes as a Nehemiah will come through to say she would not have done this. But I have good news for those of us who have never been a Nehemiah. Those of us who have wasted our currency, those of us who have wasted our dignity and our faithfulness, those of us who have squandered our currency uh, of a, 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 a trustability. In Christ Jesus, we can be restored. Jesus can, can rebuild a broken character. He can 
walk with us the journey of replenishing the empty accounts until we have built once again a record of trust that can speak for us even in times of difficulty. Nehemiah traveled back to Judah and then Nehemiah then began the construction process. The construction process went on very uh, smooth in terms of outside interference. They had internal problems, lots of internal problems. And if you remember very well, not long ago in our uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church Sabbath School lessons, we dealt with the book of Nehemiah just not long ago. We saw the problems that they had internally, but by the grace of God, they were able to overcome those problems and construction continued on track as it should have. Towards the end of the building of the wall, the wall of Jerusalem, the walls also of other buildings, there were these local tribal rulers, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. Realizing that Jerusalem was again about to be fortified and they would not get a chance to attack it anymore. They sent Nehemiah this frivolous and time-wasting invitation. Come down to the plain uh, on the villages of Ono and let us talk. Now, Nehemiah says, they sent me this message four times and four times I kept telling them the same thing. I am doing a great job. I cannot come down. But something is interesting in those words because he says to them in verse three, I am doing a great job. I can't come down. But wait a minute. In verse one, he said, at the end of verse one, we had completed the wall. Then listen to this. Although at that time, the only thing we had not done was to hang the gates. Listen to three. I am doing a great job. Listen to verse one. I've done everything. Only the gates are not done. So let's speak about this in terms of project management. He is saying 90% of the work is done. 90% of the work is done. That's verse one. Verse three, he says, listen, the work is not done, so I'm not going to come down. Now, verse one, is a statement of quantity. I have finished the wall, but the gates are not done. Quantity. 90% of the work is done. 10% of the work not done. Verse three is a statement of quality. 
until the gate is done. We shall consider the work not done. The work has to be perfectly done for it to be done. Not 90%, not 80%, until the work is 100% done. We are not done at all. Nehemiah teaches us to learn to value service by quality, not by quantity. It's not how many hours you spend. It's not how, how much you put in. It's the quality of what you put in. It's the quality of what you do in the hours you are given. Nehemiah says, when serving God, you don't count the percentage, you count quality. This is the mistake that many people have made about tithes and offerings. It's not the, the amount of the 10% tithe. It's the quality of what it represents in your faith. Tithe is not made important by the percentage. Tithe is blessed by its demonstration of faithfulness to God. It is the quality of the faith it demonstrates, not the amount of money it demonstrates. We are being taught by Nehemiah when serving our God, you must pursue quality, not quantity, in everything, in everything. We don't live life to count the number of days and years. We live life to count the meaning and the essence and purpose. It is not about the quantity of days. It is about the quality of what is done in those days. We are creatures that must pursue quality of delivery, not quantity of delivery. Our quantity must be a servant to our quality of delivery. How much we have done is subject to how well was it done. Nehemiah says, accepting invitations when the doors are not hung yet is a sign of being an irresponsible steward. I will never leave the work until it is perfectly done. When the work is perfectly done, then we can consider invitations. My dear friends, this evening, I want to say to you, prepare to meet the God of quality service. To meet God is to produce quality. God does not stand for mediocrity. God demands that quality must be produced in everything we do. We must have a life of quality Worship of quality. Everything must be measured in quality. 
We must not be fighting God for the number of days. What number of days? You want to live for 90 years and do what? You are crying to God for more days in this world to achieve what? To do as we are doing. To wake up and eat. Is that it? Is that the, the foundation? What is, what is it that you are crying for? So that you may raise your children. There are many children who are orphans and they have grown up and they have managed to succeed. We are not that necessary. God has been raising orphans without parents for hundreds of years. What's your reason then for praying for many, for many years? What is the quality that we are going to deliver during those years? Lord, give me 90 years. Okay. In those 90 years, here is what I set out to do for your kingdom. In those 80 years, here is what I am setting out to do for your kingdom. What is the quality of the days we are asking for? Don't worry about quantity. Don't worry about quantity. Quantity does not, does not move anything. It's the quality that matters. There are people who've lived 40 years, but the impact of their service, the impact of the quality of their lives has spanned over two, three, four hundred years. Jesus himself died in his 30s, but the effects of his life are still being felt 2,000 years later. What is the quality of the life we are living? As a young person, when doing your homework or your assignment for school, are you about finishing or are you about delivering a quality of work? Wherever we are employed or running businesses, what is the motivation? Just to get to month end and get my salary? Or is the motivation that I will deliver on my boss's table the best work that my boss has ever seen? Part of this pre-camp meeting is to remind us that we must serve God. Now, let me touch on something very important. When you read the book of Numbers and in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible teaches us that there were three types of tithe. The first tithe was the tithe of the Levites which many of us are very familiar with. The second tithe was a tithe for the orphans and the widows, which I dare say many of us have forgotten. The third tithe was a tithe of special projects. This was a tithe that would be used to finance the festivals and any other special event or project that God wanted them to do. What we call camp meeting today is actually copied from an Old Testament festival known as the Feast of Tabernacles. 
the camp meeting we do is in some portion a reflection of that festival. The festival of booths or the feast of tabernacles in which Israel came together in great thankfulness to God in reflection of the entire year. By now, they would have gone even through the feast or the day of atonement with their sins forgiven. They could reflect on how good God has been on the entire year. In this camp meeting or pre-camp meeting, I wish to remind you that we are preparing for the camp meeting that you are going to. It will be a time to reflect on the goodness of God for the year. It will be a time to reflect on how God has kept us and led us in spite of the difficulties that the world is going through. We cannot come before God in an unqualitative manner. As we come to God for this camp meeting, I want to challenge you as members of Lovington SDA Church to also then show your qualitative commitment to God by making sure that you execute the best camp meeting ever. And this happens when we give financially, when we give our best tools or gifts. Camp meeting needs to be organized. Some among us are gifted by God with the gifts of organization and planning, project management and execution. We also have financial abilities to make sure that the venue, the, 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 everything that is needed for the camp meeting goes well. Those who will be preaching, the pastors, they have an obligation to sit down and research and prepare the sermons that are going to be used in the camp meeting. And so everyone, has a role to play in giving God a quality service of thanksgiving and of worship. Nehemiah says, when given a duty to serve God with your best, never fall short. And as we think and plan and pray for the camp meeting, I would like to challenge you to support God's work wholeheartedly in every tool that is needed, in the financial obligations for the planning of the camp meeting, please rise to the occasion. In the planning execution of the camp meeting, please rise to the occasion. In the presence, in worship, in singing, in prayer, in preaching, let everyone rise to the occasion of serving God. There may be challenges. Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem tried to distract Nehemiah as COVID is doing now. Many have lost jobs, some businesses are not doing well. But I love what Nehemiah says in the end. Nehemiah says all these troubles are simply trying to weaken our hand. They are trying to cause us to abandon our quality of service to God. And so Nehemiah gives a prayer. 
It says, may God strengthen our hand so that we may never drop the ball in giving him quality service. I am praying this evening that may God strengthen your hand. May God strengthen our hands so that the troubles we are facing may not weaken our resolve to serve God wholeheartedly. Wherever you are being weakened, it may be that the devil is trying to weaken you and your family financially. It may be that currently you are being weakened in terms of family values and family life. It may be that you are being weakened in terms of your intellectual abilities. Maybe the devil is weakening your time, making you unavailable to hear God's word. May God strengthen our hands. May God strengthen our hands. This evening we meet the God who enables us to produce quality. Prepare to meet the God of quality. Our God is not for mediocrity. Our God is not for half measures. Our God is not for 90 or 99%. Our God is for a hundred percent execution. He gives his best. He empowers his people to give and do their best. We ought to never allow mediocrity to be associated with the name of the living God. Wherever we serve, we are his ambassadors. Until the doors have hung, no one will serve in mediocrity. We will give our best in everything that God asks us to do. I pray that you may be strengthened to give and serve with your best and to support your committing with the best that God has made available to you. Let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, the one who gave the best without reservation, we ask that we also be given that same spirit. Bless us all, I pray, Jesus, with the ability to always give our best, never less, never halfway, never almost, never nearly, but always fully, perfectly, in a blessed manner. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may plant in us a spirit of always executing diligently a character of excellence. This we pray through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope the message has been a blessing and you have experienced the God of freedom. Till next time, stay safe and be blessed. Remember to subscribe and share. If you have any questions or comments, please share them in the comment section below. Bye-bye.